following sermon, entitled Seeking the Things Which Are Above, was preached on the evening of March 19, 2023, at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Redlands, California. If you enjoy listening to our sermons, we encourage you to come worship with us. For more information on upcoming service times and Bible study opportunities, please visit our website at hopeprc.org. Let's open God's Word this evening to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, we will read the whole of the chapter, and the text for this evening's sermon will be the first four verses. Colossians chapter 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, Holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it 
heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. Thus far we read God's Word. The text for this evening's sermon is the first four verses. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Beloved congregation, what is it that you are seeking? That is, what is it that fills your mind, occupies your thoughts? What is your heart's desire? What is it that is the priority for you and for your family? What are you pursuing? Is it the things above? The things of heaven? Or are the things we are seeking the things here below, the things of this earth? Answer that question honestly in your heart. And then hear the Word of God that comes to us tonight and calls us to seek the things which are above. Because that is indeed God's Word to us that comes to us in this passage that the elders have chosen for the theme text for family visitation. For this week, the Lord willing, we will begin another season of family visitation. That good practice that we have as Reformed churches in which the elders of the church go from home to home, family to family, to spend time with each family, to discern the specific needs of each specific home, and then to address those needs by means of the Word of God. And each time we have family visitation, the elders select a theme passage to sort of guide the conversation. That does not mean the elders are bound to this passage. They may decide to bring a different word to some specific family in light of their needs. But this is the starting point. This is the general idea for the family visits for the year. And this is a highly appropriate passage for family visitation. Because if we're honest with ourselves, our natural tendency is to set our hearts on the things here below. To have all of our focus, our priorities on the things of 
this life. And thus, we need to be reoriented and redirected to seek first the kingdom of our God and His righteousness. To seek the things which are above. And that is indeed the calling that comes to us. And so tonight we want to look at this passage using as our theme, seeking the things which are above. First, we'll look at the Gospel foundation upon which this calling is built. And then second, we'll look at the important calling itself. Seeking the things which are above. First, the Gospel foundation. And second, the important calling. When we read the pages of the New Testament, one of the most remarkable truths that is consistently found on those pages is that almost everything that Christ is said to have done, we are said to have done it with Him. Have you ever noticed that? Almost everything that Christ is said to have done, we are said to have done it with Him. So that we're crucified with Him. Galatians 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. This applies to His death. 2 Timothy 2, verse 11. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. And the idea is we are indeed dead with Him. This applies to His burial. Romans 6, verse 4, Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death. This this includes His being made alive again. Ephesians 2, verse 5, God hath quickened us, that has made us alive, together with Christ. This includes His exaltation. Ephesians 2, verse 6, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Almost everything that Christ is said to have done in His saving work, we are said to have done it with Him. And what stands behind this is the truth of our union with Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ has sent His Spirit to live and to dwell within our hearts and thereby tie us, connect us, unite us back to our Savior so that there is this living connection, this bond established between our Savior Jesus Christ and His elect, blood-bought people. And it's on account of that union that when Scripture speaks of Christ doing this or that aspect of His saving work, we are said to have done it with Him. And the idea is that as those who are united to Christ, we get to enjoy all of the blessings, all of the benefits that He earned by those things. So that the point is not that we ourselves contributed in some way to those different works of Christ. But the idea is whatever He earned, whatever He obtained, whatever He accomplished, as those who are united to Jesus Christ, we get to reap the benefits. Those blessings that He earned are now made ours by faith in Him. And it's that truth that is the Gospel foundation 
upon which this entire passage is built. This is the truth that stands out in Colossians 3, verses 1-4, through which speaks of us Speaks in verse 1 of us being risen with Christ. Verse 3 says, Ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ. And then verse 4, When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. And really, the Apostle Paul is circling back to truths that he's already explained in the preceding context. He taught these very truths, for example, in chapter 2, verse 12. That we are buried with Him, with Christ, in baptism. Wherein ye are also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God. Then in verse 13, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened that is made alive together with Him, with Christ. And then also verse 20 of chapter 2, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world. So really, when the Apostle Paul comes to Colossians 3, verses 1-4 through and reminds us of these truths, he's simply drawing from what he's already taught the church previously in this letter. But now, having noted that connection, we want to go through each one of these in turn. And there are four things in the passage that we are said to have done with Christ or in Christ. First, As those who are united to Jesus Christ, we are dead with Him. And that's verse 3. For ye are dead. And now admittedly it stops there, but in light of that whole testimony of Scripture that we've just shown, and in light of the context, it's clearly the point is clearly that we are dead with Christ. And this is the same teaching that we find, for example, in Romans 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now the value of Romans 6, verse 6 is that it not only confirms this truth that we are dead with Christ, it specifies which part of us died and the significance, the the implication of that. Romans 6, verse 6 says it was the old man who was crucified with Christ that is put to death. And the significance then is that the power, the dominion that that old man previously had has been broken. That old man of sin no longer reigns supreme in our hearts. He's been dethroned. He's still present to be sure. We still must do battle against that old man of sin. But in principle, his power has been destroyed. Because we are dead with Christ. Second, we are made alive with Christ. We're risen with Christ. That's where the passage begins. Verse 1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above. And now, it's true that this sentence starts with the word if. But that word if is not communicating uncertainty. The Apostle Paul is saying, well, I'm not really sure whether or not this is true. He's not saying, I sure wish, I sure hope that you're risen with Christ. No, that's not the idea. We can say that confidently because in the original Greek, you get a better sense of what that word if is trying to communicate in this 
if is what we call a condition of reality, so that it's asserting this is in fact true. You are risen. So that for us, we could translate this, since ye are risen with Christ. This is an objective reality for the child of God. The idea is that we participate in Christ's own resurrection so that His resurrection life is given to us. It's made ours. And that's really our regeneration. Apart from this, we were dead in trespasses and sins. We had no spiritual vitality whatsoever. We were totally depraved. But on account of that union with Christ, His resurrection life is implanted into our hearts so that we who were dead are made alive with the very life of Christ Himself coursing through our spiritual veins. And because we were dead, now made alive. That was a, a spiritual resurrection. Ye are risen from the dead. And it's because it's the life of Christ in us that has made us alive. That's why the Apostle Paul says what he does in verse 4, when Christ who is our life. Christ is our life. Not in the sense that we have the same identity or essence as Christ. This is not warrant for saying I am Christ or Christ is me. But the point is Christ is the source of my life. He's the fountain of my life. My life comes from Him because His resurrection life has been implanted into my heart. So first, we're dead with Christ. Second, we're risen with Christ. And third, our lives are now hid with Christ. That's the end of verse 3. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now this does include the fact that our life, our spiritual life is concealed. It's a part of the meaning of our lives being hid. For while it's true that we've been, we've died with Christ and been risen with Christ, yet the reality is we still have that old man of sin within us. And what is more, that resurrection life has yet to be applied to our physical bodies, but it's been applied to our souls, but not to our the physical side. And the point is that there's there's more to our salvation. There's a fullness that awaits and our lives are hid with Christ in that the fullness has not yet been made known. It has not yet been revealed even as for Christ, His glory, His greatness has not yet been fully made known, fully revealed to all men and women, believers and unbelievers. Part of it, therefore, is that our lives are concealed. But that's not the main point being communicated when it says your life is hid with Christ in God. The, the main point is that that life is secure. Because hid here has the sense of hidden away for safety. Hidden away to be protected, to be guarded, to be preserved. That's the idea of hidden here. So that the point is our spiritual life in Jesus Christ is secure. It cannot be lost. 
No one can take it from us. Not even the devil himself can snatch us from the hand of our Savior. He's given us, for our Savior has given us eternal life, a life that never dies. That life is hid with Christ in God. It's secure. So first, we have died with Christ. Second, we're risen with Christ. Third, our lives are hid with Christ. And fourth, we will appear with Him in glory. And that's verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. speaks of Christ's appearance. And His appearance here is obviously His second coming when He will return with all of His greatness, with all of His glory, on full display. He will come riding on the clouds of heaven. And at that day, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He will appear. And now once again, anything that is almost everything that's said of Christ, we are, have said, we are said to have done it with Him so that even in the future this applies. He will appear and we will appear with Him. No, the point is not that we're going to come riding on those clouds of heaven and glory with Him. Because the reality is when He comes again, He's coming for us. He's coming to raise us again from the dead to take us to be with Him. But instead, the idea is that we will appear with Him in the sense that that fullness of our salvation will be made known. It will be revealed in that that old man of sin will finally be abolished. And that resurrection life of Christ that has been applied to our souls will also then be applied to our physical bodies. And we will then dwell with Christ in glory. That's the language there. Then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. What a beautiful two-word description of heaven. Glory. In glory. That is, we will bask in the glory, the majesty, the greatness of our God. But in addition, His glory will be revealed in us and we ourselves will be glorified. That's heaven. And that's what awaits us. So there's four things said of Christ. And each one on account of our union to Christ is applied to us. In such a way that these are objective facts for the child of God. Notice that the verbs here are all indicatives. These are statements. It's not saying it might be this or it might be that, but we are dead. Really, we have died with Him. We are risen with Him. Our lives are hid. And though the last one is future tense, it's no less certain we will appear with Him in glory. So that the idea is that as those who are united with Jesus Christ, we are therefore partakers of all the benefits that He has earned for us by His saving work. And now, does that not underscore the glory of our Savior 
and the gracious character of our salvation. Because which one of us here contributed in any way to any one of those four things? Which one of us helped out in those aspects of Christ's saving work? We were not there physically at Calvary. We did not do anything. We were not there encouraging Him, Lord, just stay there. Stay on the cross because You must bear the wrath of God. We didn't help out with the crucifixion. We were, there. We were not there sustaining Him. Giving Him the strength that He needed to, to bear the wrath of God. Nor did we contribute when He arose again. It was not by our power, it was not by our encouragement that He rose again from the grave. Nor is it on account of anything that we've done that our life is hid with God. Our life is hid with Christ in God. It's not because we're so good at avoiding temptation and saying no to sin that our spiritual life is secure. Nor will we contribute in any way to Christ's appearance. At the end of all things, when He comes in glory, this is not our work. But yet, Scripture consistently speaks of us doing these things with Christ. And what this shows us then is the, the glory of our Savior. This is all His work. And yet we get a benefit from it. He was the one who went to the cross and sustained by the power of His Godhead, His own God's divine wrath poured out upon Him. He was the one who laid down His life by an act of His own will. He died. And He's the one who arose. For He had the power to lay down His life, but He also had the power to take it up again. And He's the one who preserves our spiritual lives. Keeps us secure in His hand. And He's the one who will come again at the end of all things. We have a glorious Savior. And because He's such a glorious Savior, because it's all His work, that underscores then the gracious character of our salvation. We've not earned this. We, we've not merited this. We didn't contribute in some way. It's not that we performed our little percentage over here and He took care of the rest. But all these things come to us on account of God's pure, on account of God's grace. His pure, undeserved, free, amazing Grace. And thus, this is all reason to praise Him. To give thanks to our God for the salvation that He has accomplished in and through Jesus Christ in such a way that though we did not contribute a thing, yet we get to reap the benefits. We get to enjoy the blessings that Christ has earned.
And because all that's true, this then is the motivation to heed the important calling that is on the foreground in this passage. We've laid the Gospel foundation that as those who are united to Jesus Christ, we are dead with Him, we're risen with Him, our lives are hid with Him, and we will appear with Him. And now with that foundation in place, the Apostle Paul himself by inspiration sets before us this important calling now seek the things which are above. That's the language in verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Then verse 2, set your affection on things above, not on things on earth. Seek the things which are above. But now if we're going to seek them, we first have to know what are the things above. And to help understand that, we need to see the clear contrast that's found especially in verse 2. Set your affection on the things above, not on things on the earth. So there's the things above and the things below. The things in heaven and the things upon earth. And that contrast is really implied already in verse 1 when it says, seek those things which are above where... Now it's pointing us to a place where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And we know that... Christ is in heaven at the right hand of God. So that again, a contrast between that which is in heaven and that which is upon the earth. The things above and the things below. Seek the things above. That is, on the one hand, seek the things that come from the place of heaven. That flow down to us from heaven. And on the other hand, the idea is seek those things that have a heavenly character. Things that are spiritual. These heavenly things. So what specifically are they? First, the things above is really the One, the Person above. Jesus Christ. We're meant to start there because verse 1 starts there. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Which things above, Paul? Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. He is the One who is above. Exalted above all on the right hand of God. Sitting there enthroned in glory. So that when we're told, seek the things above, we're meant to think first of seeking the One who is above. Jesus Christ. Even as He's revealed to us in the book of Colossians. For He does certainly stand out in this book. Each of the New Testament epistles has its own particular emphasis. Its own unique viewpoint. And the main Emphasis here in the book of Colossians is the glory of Jesus Christ. He stands on the foreground. And chapter 1 emphasizes His glory as to His person. It speaks of His preeminence above all. To read a few verses beginning at Colossians 1, verse 15, speaks of Christ saying this, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, For by Him, that is by Christ, were all things created that are in heaven 
that are in earth, <clears throat> visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And by Him all things consist. And He is the head and body and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence look at the glory of Christ that's what the apostle paul is emphasizing in colossians chapter 1 and then in colossians 2 he emphasizes the glory of his work and what he accomplished at the cross of calvary for that so that our sins have been blotted out he has spoiled principalities and powers. He's made an open show of them, triumphing over them. He's a glorious Savior. And thus, He's the one we're supposed to seek. First and foremost, so that seek the things that are above means first seek the One who is above. Jesus Christ. Second, the things above, they're Above, therefore, includes the spiritual blessings that are found in Jesus Christ. It's evident from a passage such as Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. We said we're supposed to seek the things of heaven, the things that are are found in heaven and come down to us from heaven and that are of a heavenly character. And here we're told what some of those things are. The, the spiritual blessings in heavenly places that are found in Christ. Those blessings that are stored up in Jesus Christ because He earned them. He merited them by His saving work. And are now given to us by faith and through the work of the Spirit. So that the things above includes the forgiveness of sins. The gift of sanctification, preservation. The things above include grace sufficient for the day. And so many other spiritual blessings in heavenly places that are found in Christ Jesus. Seek those things. Which includes in the third place seeking the life of heaven, that is to say, communion with our God. That's one particular blessing that Christ earned for us communion, fellowship with our God. And the beauty is, we do not have to wait until we appear with Christ in glory to enjoy that life, but we can have the beginnings of it already now here in this life. And that too is a part of what we are to seek. So what are the things above? Christ. The spiritual blessings that are found in Him and a life of fellowship with our God. And now that we have those clearly in view, we can hear the imperative. Seek those things. That's the language. Verse 1, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Which means, first of all, desiring them. Because we will never seek that which we do not first desire. And therefore, we must see these things as 
desirable as altogether lovely. And then having set our desire upon them, we are to seek them. Not in the sense of searching for them. We need to locate where they're found. That's not the idea because we know where they're found. They're found in Jesus Christ, in Him alone. But instead, the idea of seeking is pursuing them. Seeking to obtain them. And we recognize that that's really the activity of faith. Seek the things above means lay hold of these things, embrace these things by faith. That's the language of verse 1. Verse 2 puts it slightly differently. Set your affection on things above, not on things on earth. And the idea of set your affection is literally put your mind on these things. Let these things be the things that fill your mind. The things that you think about. Let these be the priority for you. That which is most important to you. And again, this putting our mind on them, that's, that's the activity of faith. Because faith includes knowledge and, and knowing these things. That's the Word of God that comes to us this night. And what an important Word this is. Because this so obviously goes against our natural desires. For our inclination is to set our hearts on the things here below. And that includes desiring that which is sinful. For there is still that old man of sin within us. There is that corrupt flesh that we each still possess that is bent on sin that delights in sin and therefore seeks the things of Satan and seeks the things of the kingdom of darkness. That's in our hearts. But now alongside of that, there's, there's more to this, this natural desire because it's a desire for that which is sinful, but then also a desire for that which is of this earth. And we begin to focus on the things of this life. Things that may well be legitimate. Things that may well be good and necessary. But the problem is that we let them become the priority above all else. We make them to be the most important thing. The focus of our entire lives. So that really what we do is we take the things of this earth, the things here below, and we make an idol out of them. And it's because of this natural tendency that God's Word comes to us and says, Set your affection on the things above, not on the things below. Do not let the focus of your life be on the things here below. Do not let it be that the only thing that you can think about, the only thing that fills your mind are the the things of this life. But look up. Seek Christ. And the blessings of salvation that are found in Him. Seek life with God. Let that be what's most important. And do this 
Exactly because you're united to Jesus Christ. And you're dead with Him. You're risen with Him. Your life is hid with Him and one day you will appear with Him. That is this calling found in Colossians 3, verse 1-4 through is built upon the Gospel foundation that the, the Apostle Paul weaves all throughout the text. The two go together. There's a reason that it's all interwoven. Because there's this connection. Paul tells us, really the Spirit tells us through Paul, do not seek the things below. If we ask why, the answer is because you're dead with Christ. Which means that that part of you within you, that, that old man of sin that wants nothing more to sin, he's been crucified. His power has been broken. He's been toppled off of the throne in your heart. So that you need not serve sin anymore. And that means too that you've now been crucified to this world. It's another part of the idea as we're taught in Galatians 6, verse 14, but God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. I'm dead to the world. And the world is now dead to me. And because this is true of us, on account of our union with Jesus Christ, God's Word comes to us and says, do not therefore set your heart on the things below. But instead, positively, seek the things that are above. Set your affections on the things up there in heaven. And if we ask why, the answer is because you're risen with Christ. The very life of Christ has been implanted into your hearts. And remember where this life came from. It's the life of heaven. It's eternal life that's been given to us. And therefore, we're to seek the things of heaven, to seek the things above. And that's what the, was being communicated to us in this passage is really the calling be who you are in Christ. Because remember, these are gospel indicatives. These are spiritual realities for the child of God. These are not wishful statements. I sure hope this is true for you, but it's, it's an established fact for the child of God. You are dead with Christ. You are risen. And now live in harmony with that. Live according to these spiritual realities. You have died with Christ. Now for live in harmony with that by not setting your affections on the things below. You are risen with Christ. Now live in harmony with that by seeking instead the things above. Be who you are. So what then are we seeking? Are we living in harmony with 
these Gospel indicatives. And the fact that we are united to Jesus Christ. What are we seeking? What are we seeking as families? What is it that's our priority? Are we taking the time to seek the things above by opening God's Word? And using the means that He's given to us? Or is it the case that as families, we've allowed the busyness of this life, much of which, most of which may well be legitimate, to push aside the seeking of the things above? Have we become so wrapped up in the things of this life that we never looked heavenward anymore? What are we seeking as young people and young adults as single members of the church? Are we pursuing the things which are above? Or are we simply pursuing a college education or a career? Nothing wrong with those things. Do not misunderstand me. But is the pursuit of an education, is the pursuit of a career so predominant in our lives that we're not really seeking the things above? Children, what are you seeking? Are you seeking the things above already now? Even in your young age? Or is the only thing you care about games, entertainment, sports, music, good grades? What about the aged saints? who have the hope of appearing one day with Christ in glory. Is that what we've set our hearts upon? Or have we fallen into the wrong mentality that well, I've done my years of service and my years of retirement are now for me and I can just sort of coast along spiritually. What are we seeking in the midst of trials and afflictions? Are those trials and afflictions the occasion for us to look up and to remember that we are pilgrims and strangers here below? Are the difficulties the occasion for us to draw ever nearer to our God? Or is it the case that when the difficulties come, we instead numb ourselves by pursuing earthly comforts, drowning the sorrow in entertainment or some other means of distracting ourselves from what's taking place in our lives. Congregation, 
If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. And my prayer as your pastor is that God would use this Word both as it's preached here tonight and as it's brought from home to home, family to family, individual to individual to reorient us. We are so inclined to having all of our focus be here below. May God use this Word to impress upon us the wonder of our salvation in Jesus Christ. That almost everything that is said of Him, we are said to have done it with Him in the sense that we get to enjoy all of the blessings, all of the benefits. May God give us the grace to live in harmony with that out of gratitude for what our glorious Savior has so graciously done for us. Amen. Our Father which art in heaven, Thy Word truly is a lamp to our feet, a light before our path. And we pray that Thou will indeed lead us and guide us according to it. And in particular, we pray that this Word may be used to lead us once again to our Savior. For we humbly acknowledge that we have not sought the things which are above, but we have sought the things here below. Thy Word convicts us And therefore we pray, forgive us for Jesus' sake. At the same time, we pray that Thou wilt grant us grace to now live a life of thankful obedience. And instead of seeking the things here below, instead, seek the things above especially our Savior, Jesus Christ. Work that in us by Thy Spirit. Hear this prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.